plus if I were to ask you how many more days until the Earth is saved. Woof. 155 is the number I'm hearing on the streets. Is that the number? Almost 154 days until ah. the world is saved. Thank God. Thank God. Well, I was close. Well, I was close. Very I knew close. Uh, Lawrence Anthony wasn't going to save the world. Knew that much. Lawrence Anthony? Who's Lawrence Anthony? Lawrence Anthony uh, uh, Knight. Lawrence. Oh, man. Lawrence Anthony. Wow. Hey, man. If there's anybody that sung your praises, Lawrence, these two guys right here. We just need you to do a couple things. Just, you know, just a little bit, a little bit, not too much, not too much. You, you can enjoy a championship. You can enjoy a championship. Oh, sure. Just, you know, Ah, 154 days away but plus and i will have our wrestlemania plan specifically when that time comes in 154 days until then you're back with us with a brand new episode of recut gems thank you for pulling up of course another black print patreon bonus we took a little bit of time away uh within the month of october busy busy time for the channel specifically a lot of uh good news uh a lot of news we did not expect on the black print network so we took a little bit of time to roll some things back get some ideas together and now i plus and i are back to continue of course recut gems with thankfully Thankfully, 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 something that I have been waiting for since June, the return <laughs> of the Elf Sport Plus. How does it feel? Can, can we say it like one Magic Johnson? The NBA is back. <laughs> <laughs> I, thought you was, I thought you was gonna go. I'm about to say is Magic stressed? I don't know. I don't know what the Dodgers did. Uh I know what the Dodgers did. Now that baseball's over, I don't know what the Dodgers did. Was it bad? Was it like extreme, embarrassingly bad? What for the for the Dodgers going outside? Yeah. Oh, uh! I don't know when they lost. I think they lost either in the wild card round or the, or the NLDS. I'm not sure. Something but, um, like that, right? I mean, hey, he's a part owner of the uh, Washington Commanders. I hate that name. Got it. Um, he's a part owner of the Washington NFL football team. And, uh, of course, he's a, a, a basketball Hall of Famer. But as he used to always say on TNT, the NBA is back. It's like it never left, Magic. But, hey, I know what you mean. I didn't know he had bread in the, I didn't know he had bread in the Commanders. Oh, yeah, yeah. He's a part owner. I don't know how much, but he's definitely a minority. You know, um, Josh Harris, who owns the 76ers, is the uh, the uh, majority owner. But um, he is, yes, he has a, a stake in the franchise now. So, Well, thankfully, well, I, w- I would say between you and I, we have better teams to talk about, thankfully, tonight or today, specifically on Recut Gem. Shout out to everybody that is listening, of course, the patrons that are listening early, and of course, those that are listening uh, when you will be hearing this on Tuesday. I don't really have an NFL equivalent. People have told me this year's the year, jump on Dolphins bandwagon. And now I see, I kind of see slander that is similar to heat slander because <laughs> every Sunday I see the football fans that are like, Dolphins can only beat the trash teams in the league. When you go against the comp, they get in their ass bust. I can't confirm or deny if that is actually something that holds merit, but it's it sounds very similar to Heat Slander. So I kind of like I let me t- let me tune into this and, and give people a piece of my mind with Dolphins football. But I haven't I, I still haven't done it yet. Yeah, see, I don't know if like uh, whew, this is probably blasphemous, but like Finn's culture is off the ground just yet. You know what I'm saying? I mean, Heat culture is definitely culture. <laughs> But Finn's culture, I think it's just starting to really get heated up. You know what I mean? It's been a dormant fan fandom for a long time. You know what I mean? So to have South Florida sports kind of buoyed by a, a strong Dolphins team, mm-hmm. it's kind of foreign over the last, I'd say, almost 30 years now. So 
gonna take some getting used to for people to really get warmed up to it. And yeah, I, I did see that post earlier. <laughs> Shout out to our guy Kenny B. I think they say, you know, it's almost a fraudulent alert going on because they've only beaten, like you said, the trash teams in the NFL. But you know, see. I don't like that word, that F word. Nope. That's when I have to start getting, that's when I start have to get in my heat mode and then y'all not going to like it. Y'all not going to like it. It's going to start making its way here. Well, well, let me ask you, since we're getting on the subject, what do you think about the, um, what do you call that court? I think the heat culture court with the one with the, the, uh, you know, the, the, the phrase on it, like right there in the paint. Oh, the new joint. You know what? That's a good way. That's a good way that we can talk. That's a good way that we can start talking about our teams here on the alpha sport, because I have to say with between recut between you and I on recut gems, I feel like as much as we have enjoyed uh, talking about a lot of different music throughout the past couple of months, I feel like the moments that have went the craziest for us. It involved me lighting myself on almost lighting myself on fire because of the heat Celtics conference finals. (laughs) <laughs> put it's in the, involved put down as an all-time moment that is so I, funny. I, I would have been so you have no idea i, I, I after game six and people usually watch my reactions to things game six i literally did not know what to do i was like holy shit i might have to light myself on fire i literally might have to light myself on fire Yo, I was like, yo, I mean, I don't, I wouldn't want that to happen at all. But just like if it happened as far as the subjects winning game seven, I'm like, yo, no way in the world are you going to go out here and do this. We're not letting it happen. Not even with a, not even with a flame retardant suit on. We're not letting it happen. Okay. It's not happening. <laughs> well, I, that's what it got close. I was like, am I going to have to Google people that safely do this? I, I, this feels like a movie stunt. Like I'm, I'm going to be screwed. I'm going to be screwed. And then on top of that. Not only with uh, the Heat Celtics Conference Finals, we made a big friend in Isaiah Thomas. He doesn't have his 1.3 yet. Another big part of the show on Recut Gems. I hope he gets his 1.3 somewhere. So somebody needs some. Somebody needs some help. Holler at our guy Isaiah Thomas, man, please. please. And, then on, and then on top of that, on top of that, on the last fucking episode of Recut Gems. We take a couple minutes to uppercut Giannis. Oh wow! And say the Bucks ain't doing a damn thing. What do they do hours after the episode goes on Patreon? Goes ahead and ruins the fucking summer for all of South Florida and mm. gets Damian Lillard. There is something. There is some type of energy that goes on between recut gems and sports that we now have to own in. And just own. And I think I, I'm I'm up to the challenge, of course. But now I'm starting to see there's an energy here that needs to be tapped into with sports and recut gems. So do we take the 180 approach here and just like lambast the team and then like, I guess, force the, the universe to, to shift the energy and have them kind of get, you know, hot again? Because out the gate, okay, the subjects are doing great. I ain't gonna lie. I was shitting on Porzingis when this whole deal went there. Like, why <laughs> we need him? But um, this is actually working pretty well right now. I mean, the first five. It's decent. Years. It's actually pretty decent. Um, at both ends right now, but it's it's not even like December yet. So let's not get you know carried away. Um, mm-hmm. little slow out the uh, barracks for uh, the Heat. Little slow, little slow, but it's early. They never, they never. It's never about November. It's more about April, May. So once mm-hmm. again, it's very, it's very early in the season right now. But yeah, do do we take the approach of of not talking shit and just like you know, well, not talking shit and I guess in a 
in a boastful way, but more so like talking shit in a critical way to force them to turn it around from here on out on Recut Gems? Or do we just play it how it goes? I would like to start it off by saying that the only two teams that are free from slander this week are the Atlanta Hawks and the Toronto Raptors for beating the Milwaukee Bucks. I am going straight 1,000% petty to start this off. No hawk slander from me. Wow. Not that it would really warrant any, I guess. Yeah, Trey Young's been up and down this year, so. right? Say it again. I'm sorry. Trey Young's been up and down this year, right? Um, oh, I, mean, I mean, I guess that's kind of like, like the story between Trey Young. I mean, outside of the Hawks fans that try and say, hey, he's scoring as many points as y'all give the people that you give praise to when they're uh, on those top scoring levels and so on and so forth. How come Trey doesn't get the praise that you give X, Y, Z? When he's leading in assists, how come he doesn't get the praise? Uh, God forbid Curry gets eight assists in a game. You start going crazy. How come Trey can average a double-double with it? And you don't give him any props. So I can understand the pain and the annoyance, I guess you would say, that Hawks fans have with trying to defend Trey Young in a lot of different circles. But I give him props. It's been two weeks so far in the league, and things are looking well for Atlanta so far. They're up pretty high in the East, so I'll uh, let them be. Toronto Raptors, of course, you beat the Milwaukee Bucks. You are slander-free from anybody who beats the Atlanta the Atlanta Hawks, excuse me, the Milwaukee Bucks, you are slander free for at least for the month of November. That's maybe right. not in December. Maybe, maybe maybe not in December when it's like in-season tournament time. But for now, I will be petty for the month of November. If you beat the Bucks, you are slander free from me. I, I also want to talk about the in-season tournament. I mean, are we going to get to the in-season tournament now? Which is, uh, you know, a grand idea from Adam Silver. The kind of, uh, how should we say? Lift, lift something from the soccer world and implement it into the NBA, you know, with the uh, NBA in-season tournament. I saw a tweet from Bill Simmons, and uh, he said, you know, that, see, they spent all this money on marketing, and the name they settled on was the NBA in-season tournament, which is true. It's like, it's very generic. I feel like there's going to be some type of dedication to somebody in the near future, whether that's a Jordan Cup or whoever Cup. It's going to be the something. It's going to be something in the near future. I'd say the next 10 years. Yeah, the thing about this damn in-season tournament is that there's so many things. I think just from a fan, not even a fan perspective, I think even from a player perspective, that is being learned in real time as a lot of things are being brand new for the league right now. The in-season tournament obviously ends up being the biggest thing that is brand new for uh, the league as of right now. There's new teams that are trying to gel. Uh, there's a lot of new different offenses, a lot of, lot of new different defense, a lot of new different things that are going on in between the Eastern Conference and the Western Conference. But even from like a even from like a media perspective, thankfully the TV shows haven't really had huge, huge switches of 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 uh, 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 talking heads that have been on uh, on ESPN or on Turner. But it's a little bit. It's a it's a it's a good amount. I think for the most part, one of the bigger stories that have happened throughout the past couple of months, or at least since the season has ended were the changes that have been made on ESPN to change a little bit of their commentary panel uh, to go on not only for the remainder of the season, of course, but also new voices and faces for the NBA finals. Have you felt about that? Um, Yeah, I, I, I definitely was a huge fan of the uh, Mike Breen, Jeff Van Gundy, Mike Jackson lineup. I thought that was um, one of the things when you look back whenever, and I don't think ESPN will lose NBA rights in this upcoming um NBA media rights spree where they're talking about like securing like 75 billion for media mm-hmm. rights. Um, but I think when you think of the NBA on NBC, you're probably going to think of Marv Albert when, you know, you think about the booth. Um, Bob Costas was in the booth for a brief time as well. But um, Marv Albert is probably who you think about. 
for the NBA and NBC. And I believe he had a few, you know, uh, pairings. Like he had Mike Fratello at one point, and then I believe he had uh, Bill Walton and Steve Snapper Jones at the end. So I think about those as well. But when you think about the NBA on ESPN or NBA on ABC, either or, you're probably going to think of Mike Breen, Jeff Van Gundy, and Mark Jackson. So to lose that voice, you know, lose that team, which is like, what, 15, 16 NBA finals they called and all, mm. that's, that's pretty substantial. So it's going to be a lot to see, you know, with, with Doc and Doris and how that, that team gels. I mean, it's, it's going to be hard to judge on night one. I believe they did the, um, the Knicks-Celtics game. Mm. And it was almost like it felt like they were all just like getting to know each other um, on the air. Which isn't true in you know in in real life because I believe Doc and Mike Breen are really good friends and you know Mike and Doris have worked together for a number of years now so they all know each other but you know mm. it's gonna take a while to really get that chemistry down on the air and it's probably something gonna work through throughout the season. Um, it's gonna be weird without the finals without JVG and and Mark Jack going hand down man down. You know what I mean? It's gonna be weird not having that. But um, we shall see how it goes though. Who knows? I, I don't know if Doc's going to be able to have any any fresh lingo to try and bring to the uh, to try and bring to the panel on ESPN. I don't know. You know, and, and Doc's really good at that. Well, he was really good at that at one point of time. I mean, back in the day, he was on TNT before he went to uh, coach the Orlando Magic. And then mm-hmm. after he left Magic, in between his Magic and Celtics gigs, he did uh, one year on ABC with Al Michaels. He did the uh, he actually was uh, on the 04 Finals uh, commentary along with Al Michaels, the uh, the one the Pistons beat the Lakers. So. Yeah. Doc has done it at a high level before. It's just been a long time. So, you know, once again, we'll just have to see how it plays out. If Doc starts getting on his Mark Jones and be like, niggas told me he was about to score 30 a night. One of y'all, one of y'all lied to me. I'll be like, I'm kind of rocking with this. I might might rock with this. Yeah, I can't see Doc getting real, like, fresh, hashtag fresh with the lingo. (laughs) You know what I'm saying? I can't, I would be, I would be shocked. If Doc is looking at the timeline for inspiration, if he's a, it might be old school. He'd be like, "Oh, sock it to me, a good windmill jam." You need to sock it to me. I'm out of here. I'm out of here, Doc. I'm just gonna let you know that right now. I'm out of here. You know, ABC is prone to like have classic songs, like "Tell Me Something Good," going to a commercial. Uh, so I was like, "Yeah, tell me something good." You see this ten on run? It's ten on run. It's crazy. <laughs> you, know, you might do something like that. You you might see that on the show. On, on, on the broadcast, as you say. Curry's is going crazy. Boom, shakalaka, Curry did it again. That's right. That's right. <laughs> I hope not, Doc. Get us right, Doc. Get us right. Get us right. Oh, my gosh. She's going to hear some public enemy going to break, drop a word to your mother, all type of nonsense. Oh, he's going to be super hype with public enemy starting yeah. up, and I'll tell you that right now. Yeah, the drum season- right here. <laughs> but in-season tournament-wise, I feel like player-wise, fan-wise, there's so many things that are brand new that people are literally learning in real time. I'm literally learning some things as the game is going on. I think Eric Reed, uh, while the Heat and the Wizards were playing on Friday, thank God, thank God. I want to pray the basketball guy and say thank you for not letting the Washington Wizards beat the damn Miami Heat on Friday. I, I hate that it's come to this. This damn, this damn fan base has so much PTSD from what has happened within the past couple of months, even being up 25 and going to like 12 is making people lose their damn minds. And it hurts. It really does hurt. Two and four was not what I expected after the beginning of a finals uh, appearance, even though the finals was very, very tough for the Miami Heat. Not what I expected coming off of a finals appearance. And of course, that's not really going to help uh, 
uh, entice others to say some great things about the Miami Heat. Not that the Miami Heat cares, but it really does feel good sometimes to be able to at least start off the season very well and give people an idea that this type of thing can be replicated even with a terrible, terrible offseason. But the Heat Civil War is not so bad. It's not so bad. It's not as bad as it was last year. Last year's Heat Civil War between fan bases, of course, um, it was so stressful that it felt like everybody was fighting on the timeline for like months or so. The people that were saying we're going to miss the playoffs, the people that are saying you might as well just tank for the draft pick, you might as well just do X, Y, and Z because you're not doing anything in the NBA playoffs. We're bad. We're losing games. Every single fucking game is a close clutch game. No 20-point blowouts. No huge wins. Nothing like the 50-point win that you guys just that, that, that Boston just had that against was, the yeah, man. Yeah, man. Shout shout to the Pacers, but woof. That was, that, was <laughs> that is that does not happen in Miami land. That does that that just does not happen in this wow. area. You're clo- you're used to clutch clutch games every single night. And that made fan uh, well the fans of the Miami Heat, of course bicker and fight all year last year now obviously this ends up being an extremely embarrassing offseason for everybody that ended up wanting uh well before the offseason of course he ended up having the bradley beal situation bradley beal ends up going to phoenix um you get the reports afterward that says bradley beal was looking at all of that and said hey i was kind of interested in what miami wanted to do that's who i really wanted to go to but then days came and it felt like you know, there wasn't that high of an interest. Um, and then he ended up making his way over to Phoenix, of course. And there's the whole story of the uh, owners and the father and the son between the sons and the wizards that tied Bradley Beal towards his team that he is now on. But for the most part, when you look at it from a heat perspective, they didn't really have the the uh, the assets to try and get Bradley Beal. And that ended up not really upsetting the Miami Heat because they're like, all right, Intel tells me that Damian Lillard is going to make his way here. You don't have to go too crazy for Bradley Beal. They did not. And then you did not get Damian Lillard. So I think for the most part, fans' perspective is like, okay, it's not us. I don't think it's the point that it's like, you're watching the Heat and it's like, nobody wants to come play for the Miami Heat. This feels terrible as a fan. I don't know how Jimmy Butler, Bam Adebayo, Tyler Hero, and the entire cast is supposed to get help here, but it's not that. You have two huge players in the NBA saying, yeah, I want to go play for the Heat. Please, 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 please let it happen. Please get it done. Then it doesn't get done. And now most of the fans, for the most part, are just like, okay, so it's not us. People want to actually play for this team, just not getting them. So who do we look at? So now every time Mickey Harrison tweets, it's sell the team, sell the team, sell the team, get the fuck off the team, sell the team, sell the team. <laughs> Jeff Bezos is coming to Miami. Please, please sell to Jeff Bezos. I'm just like, okay, I mean, that's a little bit better than what was going on last year. It's a, it's a little bit different, but I welcome that more than I do the fighting and the bickering towards fan bases to just win games like it was last year. That's kind of crazy to have that smoke for Mickey Harrison when he's only had the most successful South Florida <laughs> franchise in the last 30 years. You know what I mean? He's only the guy who's brought a, a winning culture to the to mm-hmm. the Florida basketball. I feel like I'm talking like Dan Levitar right now. But um, no, nah, it's true though. Like, I mean, I, I think that the league realizes, and I'm gonna say the league more as being specific, GMs of the league realize that um 
Miami Heat are pretty formidable with many less parts. And that speaks to, you know, without a lack of a better phrase, Heat culture. Like, they have mm. a really great coaching team down there. I mean, Spolstra, you know, we know his track record now. But, um, yeah, I feel like, you know, they don't want to – and then the Heat are, you know, you got Pat Riley there still willing and dealing, and he's shrewd, you know, to say the least. So, mm-hmm. To say that he wasn't putting certain pieces on the table, we we don't we'll never know. I mean, didn't he have a press conference where he he tried it out, Tyler, and said we weren't trading him, like we weren't we didn't put him on the market. Didn't he say that? Yeah, uh, they said he wasn't part of any. Uh, it, it probably. I mean, hey, whether or not it's, I'll put my I'll put my Drewski hands on it. Whether it was or not, whether it was or not. But then again, the way that people talk about Tyler Hero all the time, I feel I'd be feeling so bad for Tyler Hero. Tyler Hero has literally been in trade scenarios. As an 18, it was a 19, 18 or 19 year old kid, literally his rookie season, when there were entertain or there were when they were entertaining conversations about getting James Harden, Chris Paul, Russell Westbrook, uh, and that was just a rookie season. That was around that time. Then James Harden makes his way to Brooklyn, makes his way to Philly, now in Los Angeles. And so many things have happened throughout those past couple of years. Hero has been involved in trade situations literally every single year and that's got to be tough i know that's got to be tough i already know the focus that he had on just wanting to start for the heat was already tough enough for tyler hero but now seeing the general response around the league especially throughout these trade scenarios and trade packages on what his worth is has to be something that was probably difficult at first but now from what it's looked like for the past five for the the past five games has lit a fire under under him to now be scoring. I think he's like scoring twenty five. I said that it might be thirty, and I I said that it's going to be thirty a night when I seen him in uh, when I seen him in the red and white game to start off the season. Twenty five is right around the area that I would like. I'd love thirty. You can get thirty, Tyler. Thirty a night would be amazing. But twenty five is something that I'm just like, okay, he's extremely pissed off on what has happened throughout the past couple of months, and now wants to you know elevate his game, especially in a time where. He couldn't even do that in the NBA playoffs because he ended up removing himself from, well, not removing himself, but he ended up getting injured in the first round. And he couldn't even play those huge moments against the Knicks, huge moments against Boston, huge moments against Denver. Who knows what would have changed with those series with Hero's presence? You know what I'm saying? So those types of things I think are are things that I like to see from Tyler Hero when he ends up playing the way that he's playing as of right now. Obviously, you want to clean up 2-4 and... We have the Lakers as of right now for the Patriots that are listening early. Uh, Heat Lakers going to be tonight. By the time that everybody else hears this on Tuesday, uh, Heat Lakers will have already passed. I'm hoping that he ends up having a good game about uh, uh, against Los Angeles. Los Angeles. Los Angeles is a good team that I would love to be able to have a W against. On top of that, you have the winless Grizzlies after that. And then your next in-season tournament game is going to be, I think, next week against the Hornets. But... Not only will I have to double check if that is a in-season tournament game, because it should be every Tuesday and Friday, I'm going to have to double check everything else that is going on between these rules, because these rules feel like something that is uh, something, it's going to be It's going to be tough for a lot of, I'd say passive fans, fans that are kind of like fluctuating between NFL and NBA right now, just be like, what is this brand new thing that NBA is doing? And they're going to try and make their way into now learning brand new rules for games that still count towards regular season but also count towards points to go towards a tournament that you're going to have knockout rounds in and the leaders of that are going to be included with the set the runner up of the highest group 
in the Eastern Conference and the Western Conference, and then the semifinals and finals are going to make their way out to Vegas for a neutral site. All of that feels like things that are just going to be a little bit overwhelming to fans right now, and it might be overwhelming to players to try and um, get a grasp of everything that is going on with this new tournament, as far as the importance of this new tournament as well. Yeah, that kind of felt like when you were explaining it just now, it was like almost like when uh, Shawn Michaels was explaining the Iron Survivor Challenge for like the first time. <laughs> It's like nonstop facts. I'm like, whoa, whoa! I got the part where the semifinals take you to Vegas. I got that much. It was just like, yeah. man, you know, I, I like it. I like the idea of it. You know, spicing up the early part of the regular season. Um, the courts are loud and striking. You know, what I mean, that's a cool thing to unveil, mm-hmm. unleash in every city. Uh, I think um, who put out this? Some NBA player said, "Hey, this should be like the winner should automatically have a playoff spot if they win the tournament." What's your Did thoughts? They- on- just a, a player threw that out there. I can't think of who that was at this moment, but it was an NBA player that said, hey, the winner of the in-season tournament should have an automatic playoff spot. That sounds good in theory, but right. then what playoff spot would that end up being? Does that mean you are now the automatic eighth seed? What ends up happening at the end of April and then some team ties with that moment? Do you end up going with the in-season tournament winner over the tie? I would assume that you would always do that if you're going to say the winner of the in-season tournament has an automatic win. And then I guess the incentive with that would be, hey, you tied, but you didn't win the in-season tournament. Try and win it next year, and you have an automatic without having to worry about that. But then what does automatic do? Does automatic now mean because you won it in December, you can job like the Grizzlies are fucking jobbing right now and just sell, 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 sell because... You yeah. are guaranteed the eighth seed, no matter what, no matter if you're 15 and 60, whatever. 15 I was and 67, I guess. I was thinking about that. So if you sell, right, if you sell after you win the tournament, then like in your record, see, I think it should go by like this. Like if you automatically get a playoff spot and you after winning the end season tournament, it should still go off for of your record, right? So if you're like fucking, I don't know, 69 and 13, you're far and away the number one seed, right? If you're 44 and 38, then wherever that falls in the rankings, like you're sixth or seventh, you're there. You're there off of merit alone, and you already had automatic playoff spot. But if you're fucking, I don't know, 22 and 60, right? You just fall off a fucking cliff after the tournament. Um, then you just go and like you're the lowest seed in the play-in tournament or something, right? They have like yeah. the so like you're automatically like the lowest seed in the play-in or something. You're gonna get you're gonna get molly whopped anyway. So there you go. It could, I mean, the play-in has, the play-in got a lot of bad rep early, especially during the time of COVID where everything, obviously the world was upside down. There were a lot more important things on people's minds than, you know, sports. But right. for the most part, people wanted to just see, okay, how is this going to work? And for the most part, throughout these past couple of years, so far it's done pretty well for people. It has helped the Miami Heat have one last string to make to the NBA finals. It's helped the Los Angeles Lakers make the Western conference finals. It's given people that have had tough times in the regular season, which, you know, the regular season I think is going to continue to be a uh, conversational piece too, for those that want to shorten the 82 game schedule um, and still continue to try and alter things throughout the next decade to try and make the regular season feel a lot more important uh, than it, than, than, than it currently does. That conversation is also going to continue, but I feel like, as time has passed, people have um, became a lot less became a lot less indifferent on the plan and actually look forward to the plan. Right now, I feel like it's 
damn near 95-5 or 90-10 as far as those that are indifferent to the in-season tournament and those that are not. And depending on whether or not your team ends up doing really well in the in-season tournament, you might, you know, get real happy. You might get the semifinals. You might actually, you know, give a lot more interest towards that. Or even if you win the NBA Cup, that might be something that is important to you. It might come with a lot of jokes, obviously, on the timeline. And everybody will be like, oh, ha, ha, they're celebrating the NBA Cup, so on and so forth. But no banners, you know, please. I, I, let's just say that are we gonna put banners up for that would you want a would you want a banner for the nba cup let's say let's just say boston wins yeah. the nba cup with ease they just steamroll through the in-season tournament get the nba cup big sparks celebration confetti in las vegas do you want to add that to the 18 do you want to add that to the 18 that's up there i i think there's like let's just say four franchises that i think you can't really you can't mess around with that. And I'll just say five. I had enough fifth because they think of themselves at highly and salute them. They are one of the standard bear franchises at this point in the league. Um, Boston's one of them. I think Boston would be like, get it, get out of here. You serious? We don't want <laughs> 18 up there. We don't want that. What is that? And you got the Lakers. The Lakers, you know, they have more than enough banners up there. I don't think they want, you know, the NBA Cup to go up there just yet. Mm. Um, I think the uh Knicks will look at that like, ugh. I don't, I don't know about that. You know what I mean? We kind of want the real thing. We haven't had the real thing in like 50 years. We, we're still waiting on the real thing to be up there in the in the uh, rafters. Um, mm-hmm. The Warriors, with their recent success over the past decade, it's like, ah, we got four of the real thing in the last couple of, you know, decade or whatnot. I don't think we can put that up there. And in the fifth, I think the Bulls will be like, nah, we don't want that up there next to our six banners. We Yeah. You know, <laughs> next we, to Mike's like, banners? You know I mean, I don't think that's the next thing. We should put the seventh in the NBA championship up there first before we put that up there. So I think those five franchises right there would not raise the <laughs> raise the banner in the rafters. Now the Wizards, the Pelicans, they have a shot winning this thing. Oh, the banner's getting raised. You can believe it. The banner is going to get raised to the rafters, to the roof. Are the are the are the Nets raising banners if they are the Nets raising banners if they get the in season tournament? I got the Nets raising banners. I got, <laughs> I got them raising banners. I ain't gonna lie. The Nets are the Nets are crazy enough to do it. The Knicks, the Knicks are doing it. The Knicks wouldn't do it. The Nets, the Nets might do it. See, this is gonna this is gonna take a while to wipe this type of. I don't even want to call it a smudge because it's not nothing bad has happened yet. Friday night was a good first day. Yeah. of basketball and we're gonna get more well we're not gonna get more uh tuesday we're not gonna get more today because uh it's election day they don't play any games on election day but friday they're gonna continue next tuesday they're gonna continue and then throughout the month of november it's also going to continue until we get uh the knockout games in the beginning of december but i just feel like this is such this is such a burden that i'm happy is not on the fans and is on the front office of the nba to try and figure out the different types of ways that you can entice not only new fans, but also current fans, long time fans of the NBA to tap in and watch something new. As you brought up TV deals earlier, TV deals are going to continue to refresh and new information is going to come out until that huge, huge contract comes out. You want to make sure that you have exciting brand new things to offer. If you're going to get huge TV deals, God forbid the NFL just, decides to say, hey, this is all we got, NFL can ride on those type of laurels and be like, hey, you pretty much know what we bring towards your network. No matter what the fuck we put on TV, it's going to do 30 mil 
or 40 mil or whatever it is. Either way, no matter what team it is, it doesn't even have to be the good teams. Playoffs automatically. can ride on those lures. Yeah, automatically. Playoffs. In an NFC or AFC championship game is going to average north of 35, 40 million easily. No matter the exactly. no participants. You know what I mean? If it's the Cowboys in the NFC championship game, 60 million. You know what I mean? So, <laughs> yeah. NBA doesn't have that. I, 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 just don't, I just don't think NBA has that. And no, to, but what, Gary, it is number two now as far as viewership goes in America. You've had mm-hmm. the Warriors-Lakers semifinals, I believe, average either more or close to this year's World Series that just wrapped up. So the really? viewership, yeah, the viewership, I mean, we, we've, as in our lifetime, we've seen it, uh, the NBA go from number three to number two in America team sports viewership right behind the NFL. I mean, now it's, it's ways behind the NFL, but so is the majority of scripted television on network TV. So that's not really something to, you know, be mad at NBA about. But, yeah, they've definitely gone ahead of baseball for sure. And, I mean, that's a whole other conversation about how baseball has become. Uh, there's a very regionalized approach to baseball fandom in the last decade or so. And thank God we missed the the moments where the NBA finals were coming up on 10 p.m. on Sunday nights. Thank God that was not our era. because that right. This would be mind-blowing to somebody that watched back then. And you're like 1980. You're like, say, man, you going to stay up tonight and watch this tape delay? I don't know, man. <laughs> and you don't know unless you watch the news or something. You don't know, like, the outcome, too. That's also, think about that in that world. Like, there's no social media. There's no internet. You're, you're still out in the dark. You don't know. So CBS had the right to tape delay. Like, well, not the right, but they had, you know what I mean? They, they could tape delay it and throw their hands up. Go, hey, people still don't know. We'll just run it, you know, and they find out at 1.30 in the morning. Still nuts. Yeah, Magic Johnson, huge game, and he played the center. Swear to God. Niggas not finding out until like two days later. <laughs> Thank God that is not the era. I, I, um, oh my God. I just thought more of winning time when I thought about that. Thank God that those types of things that in 1984 or 19, you started in 1980, had happened yeah, to crazy. make this stage yeah. what it is now. Yeah, 80, I believe. I think 82 or 83 was the last tape delay finals. I know for a fact the 84 uh, Bird Magic, the first Bird Magic finals, they ran that in primetime. That ran was that live when they yeah. rushed the court? Yeah, yeah, for sure. That was that was the f- that was for sure alive uh, the whole time uh, on TV series. What's more, you know, as, as we as we talk about as we talk about um, the way that NBA has grown and as far as just like viewership and uh, not necessarily acceptance, but just like being a household sport, household entity. What is, uh, has that been more shocking or less shocking than what I would say rap has done since 2003? Oh, uh, wow. I, I, I mean, to me, it's kind of intertwined, right? So like 2007 and 2008 was around the first time I realized was it American gangster was I think they had like Heart in the Heart of the City in um in like all the the, the promos and commercials for the movie and mm-hmm. that was the first time I realized oh shit like hip hop is really about to take over and consume pop culture the same way classic pop songs and rock titles were featured all throughout different trailers and movie commercials and other commercials in general for different like you know cars all type of household products and here we are you know say 15 16 years later and that's just a normal occurrence every day now. You know what I mean? We've, we've had all type of songs getting featured in, in, in our commercials. So um, I'd have to say if I have to choose one, probably that one still, because it's just like 
it's always like that stop and think like, wow, we're really at that moment in the future where like this is commonplace. NBA, mm. I always hoped it would happen. So, I, you know, to see that we're here is like, OK, that I mean, I hope it would happen with hip hop, too. But it's still probably a little bit more startling, startling to me about the, you know, having rap just can, you know, permeate every part of every part of the culture. Every it doesn't leave like no stone unturned. Like it's not nothing to see rap on 60 Minutes or CBS mm. Sunday morning. It's just everywhere. It's a fact of life now. Reason I ask is because we are about to hit the recut roundtable right after this break. I have a segment that I have thought about for the past couple of days. It came from the fact that I missed a 20 year anniversary last year. Oh, not, not no, excuse me, not last year, last month. And the yeah. reason that I missed it, I, I, I want to say, I want to say that it wasn't something that I was really thinking of at the time, but when I thought about it, I was like, wow, nobody really talked about this 20-year anniversary, and I want to bring up that album along with other albums that are celebrating anniversaries, essential albums, I guess you would say, in the, in the, in the realm, in the center of hip-hop, on our Recut Roundtable after the break. So, stay tuned. We'll be right back on Recut Gems. Whether you're just discovering your voice or taking your show to the next level, you know what the world needs to hear. All you have to do is say it. With Spotify, set up your podcast, your food podcast, your mindfulness podcast, your never thought you'd get this far podcast, and watch those sparks fly. Drop the episode anywhere people listen and find out who they're cooking with, where they're finding inner balance, and why they love your show. You're already a creator. Now you can create, connect, and get paid for your passion with one single free tool. Spotify for podcasters. Talk where the world listens. You just released a new episode on Spotify, but don't just release episodes. Stand out on the world's most popular listening platform, wherever your show is hosted, with Spotify for podcasters. So don't just publish a podcast. Guide listeners to recommended content, featured episodes, and more. Don't just talk to your listeners. Use Q&As and polls to engage fans where they already are. Don't just check your stats. Find out where on Spotify you're being discovered and more. Tap a global audience of over 500 million. Then turn those listeners into fans with Spotify for podcasters. Back on Recut Gems, A-plus to your left. Of course, MC here to your right. Talking a little bit about the Recut Roundtable in a segment that I had to think about within the past couple of days, A-plus, because something bothered me. Last month, an album turned 20. That meant a lot. I'd say to the 12-year-old Mark, it meant a lot to me at the time. 32-year-old Mark is a little bit different. The revisits of this album, I would say are few and far between, but it meant a lot to me in 2003. And I was like, wow, nobody really, I mean, I feel like 20 years is a good, it's kind of, it's kind of difficult to talk anniversary timelines because everybody's like, I don't want to celebrate five years. What's five years? Uh, six years, seven years. That's all, it's all kind of random. But the big ones, like the 10 years, 15 years ended up getting pretty big too. 20 years. 30 years those end up being ones that like really get celebrated online and the timeline and uh people that go and revisit these albums but the album that turned 20 chicken and beer by Ludacris. nobody talked about it at all and i it kind of took me back just to just a little bit it's kind of tough it's kind of tough to talk luda online because there's a luda now that people 
you know, accept as who he is at the moment as far as like a rap legend and not too many people tune into the brand new stuff. But in 2003, it was a much different conversation for Ludacris. Yeah, what was the most, what would you say is the most celebrated Luda album out of those first three? I'm kind of leaning towards word of mouth. I love all three. I kind of more partial to the first two than chicken and beer myself. Because I, I mean, I love What's Your Fantasy from the first time I heard it um, mm. on the radio, like in a mix show. It just stood out to me. Um, so yeah, I was a big fan. I, I had back for the first time. I had all three albums in the Red Light District too. But um, when it comes to Chicken and Beer though, I did like the album. You know, I, I thought I wanted to hear more from Luda at that time. Like I thought I was going to hear a little bit more seriousness from Luda. But he is who he is, and he made a good album. I mean, Blow It Out was dope to me. Um, what else I liked? Uh, of course, Stand Up was a hit. Splash Waterfalls was a hit. Uh, he had a video for Diamond in the Back, which is crazy. It was dope. Uh, P-Pop is classic. Come on now. <laughs> Super classic beat to your cut record. What are we talking about? Right, right. Um, we got, and we got at some one of those things where, like, at first it was a If You Know You Know record with mm. the ascent of 2 chains. Mm-hmm. People like went back to it, like look at it, and then people like when they went back, they was like, "Oh, Chicky killed this shit." I was like, oh, yeah. <laughs> "Everybody does that when they go back to that song." I was like, "Yo, oh my god, Chicky was like, yo, yeah. <laughs> don't forget Chicky was in his prime at the time." Niggas do not remember how Chicky uh, got a lot of Chicky la- got a lot of different uh, comments. I guess you would say in that in that 2003 time, I still feel like Chicky has at least one classic. I am I am prepared to fight about it. Oh yeah, it involved a right. member of Smart Guy. Yeah, one call away. We, we, I will fight somebody over saying one call away was whack. Th- thank oh. you, thank you. Oh. Why do niggas say one call away was at? Was, oh, you really listen to that? Yes, corny. That's corny. That's not real. That's not real analysis, right there. If you're saying that's that. not, that's that's not, revisionist not. history. Yeah, you're right. You're fronting like you weren't there. You were not there. If you're saying it's whack. I'm sorry. That dominated the radio so bad in 2000. Well, Jackpot came out, what? I think next month ends up being 20 years for Jackpot. And One Call Away, obviously wasn't the first single, right? There ended up being the the first single. But One Call Away dominated so hard in spring of 2004. Niggas have to stop playing around on not listening to One Call Away. I'm not going to believe you. And it's clearly a good record. Like it's not even you can you can find the lines. You know how niggas try to find the lines. Be like, oh y'all niggas listening to uh she was with her mom at Bank of America with a son. Stop stop picking the bad line. Stop picking the bad lines. It was the overall theme of the song. It was word how they met, huh? It was (laughs) yeah, exactly. You know what I'm saying? Was it whack? (laughs) To answer your to, uh, to answer your question though, to answer your question though, I feel like. It's got to be word of mouth, in my opinion. You got Roll Out, Move Bitch, probably one of my favorite Luda songs ever in Growing Pains. Yeah, yeah. Um, Area yeah. Codes is a classic. Uh, yep. What else was on there? Obviously, the intro is a classic. Yeah, the intro's um, classic. <laughs> thank you, King Shirt. <laughs> Welcome to the motherfucking United States of America. What a good election day. What a good election day record. That's a good election day classic. What else was on word of mouth? Um, uh, Aiden Rink Classic Saturday. Which one? Oh, Saturday. Saturday. Yeah. Yep, Saturday. Um, oh, Go to sleep was also on there. Damn, it has to be word of mouth. I'm trying to think. Does that I, I compare like, to I like real time? I did like that beat. Which one? Block lockdown. You said. Yeah, yeah, that beat was hard to be as a kid. Block lockdown was a good record. I'd have to say it's word of mouth. Not to say that chicken and beer was bad, but I loved 
Oh, go to sleep. You said not go to only sleep? ludicrous. And, oh yeah, I said go to sleep already. Yeah. That compared to chicken and beer, I th- I, th- I feel like I feel like you can have a good debate on what ends up being the more celebrated album. But chicken and beer was really good to me in two thousand three, especially be that those being one of my first albums that I had in rotation moving out into Florida in two thousand four. But I would have to think that it's word of mouth in that type of case. Yeah, I agree. So, be- so because of that. I ended up looking up the other albums that are, well, not necessarily the other albums, but other albums specifically that are going to be having a nice anniversary between our fives, our tens, our fifteens, our twenties. Got a little bit of thirties. I got a little bit of thirties. Not too many thirties in here that hopefully within the first, well, it's going to be like the first half of November. In the next episode of Recut Gems, we'll talk about the back half because, of course, there's a lot of uh, big albums that drop usually around that second those last two weeks of November. We'll talk about that on the next recap. But to start off November, there's a good amount. And I don't know which one you want first. You want the 15s? You want the 10s? You want the 20s? The fives? The fives are kind of light. I'm just going to let you know right now the fives are kind of light. Let's go with the fives. Let's start with the fives. Okay, let's start with the fives. Metro Boomin's Not All Heroes Wear Capes turned five on the second. An album that I liked a lot in 2018. I end up liking Metro Solos a whole lot. And then I'm definitely, definitely looking forward to his album of future. Hopefully that can still drop in uh, the next month or so. Well, 2024 is on its way. If it ends up being a January release... January releases are very common with future, so I would love uh I wouldn't I wouldn't be too mad if that ends up making its way to January, but who knows? Who knows? Maybe we'll be able to see it by the end of 2023. But not all heroes wear capes turns five um this year. Oh well, it already turned five on November 2nd. Along with Takeoff's debut album, The Last Rocket. Yeah. One of the debut solo albums, of course, that we got from Migos. Uh, one of the solos that I also, I probably need to revisit for a good amount. I do like a good amount of takeoff, especially from from, from Amigos perspective. Um, I ended up liking Father of Four a lot more than Last yeah. Rocket on that first listen. I ended up liking Father of Four a lot more than Quavius, what was it, Quavius Maximus? Nah, I think it was something else, right? Wasn't oh, this- Quavo Huncho, Jesus Christ. <laughs> It was that Circus Maximus from Travis Scott that threw up. Circus Maximus? I thought it was goddamn Quavius Maximus, boy. Quavo Hancho. I'd like to know more than Quavo Hancho, but those end up turning five. Um, along with... What are you looking at? Quavo looks like John Lennon on the album cover. <laughs> like, I thought it was going to be way better than what it was, and it just and it just wasn't. It just wasn't. I'm sorry. Yeah, I remember having high hopes for that, too. But those are the ones that I have that are five years old. Uh, there's also a baby album that turns five. There's the one with pure cocaine on it. That also turns five, but not too crazy. Yeah. Street gossip, yep. Um, we'll go with the tens. Marshall Mathers LP2 turns 10 on, well, it turned 10 today as we're recording. Obviously, it's going to come out uh, in the next day or two. But Marshall Mathers LP2 turns 10. I don't remember. Don't really have any feelings toward that album. I'm just going to keep it completely real with you. When I seen the blonde hair, I said, this can either go extremely good or extremely bad. And, you know, ended up being the way that it was. I don't remember any songs off the album. I just remember that he just went back to the spot or the album cover was, uh, I think, a picture of the old house or something like that. Yep. Yep. One of his biggest singles is on there. The monsters on there. That's the most, that's the most, most I can give you. Not a rap God guy. I'm not a, uh, What's the other what's the other joint that he had that, that was done by Rick Rubin? 
Oh wow, I don't know. My, 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 uh, uh, damn, what was the other one that he had? I, I can't, I can't remember. But I was like, "Is yeah, it's time to get back to the rapidly raps." Yeah, I don't have a recollection about MMLP two at all. I was good. I was good on that. Good singles actually did come out in 2013. Danny Glover Thug oh. got an official release in November of 2013. It probably was on the street for like a good couple of months already before oh. it ended up making its way out there. An interesting single that I, I don't think anybody talks about dropped on the 5th of 2013 real and true by future oh molly cyrus, molly cyrus and mr hudson mr hudson wow wow mr hudson you want to talk about a name <laughs> the pop bag of future trying to get his billboard record or more billboard records at that point in time uh not anything that he kept for honest which would be coming out in a couple months yeah. Yeah, i just remember that single cover i was just like oh, what <laughs> oh come on and not and not much outside of uh, well for the remainder of 2013 outside of well for my r&b heads janae aiko dropped uh what was it the the, or? the 12th which one? Oh no, it wasn't that one, was it? What was nah, it? that was the one where she had uh, Childish Gambino on it, and they were um and they were doing the John Lennon Yoko Ono shit. What was it Bed oh, Piece? Yes. Bed Piece was on there. Uh, yes. She had um, the Worst was on there. Absol was on there. Had a good Vince Staples record on there too. Oh, and she had Kendrick on there. That's a good EP. That's a good EP. If you've never listened to that EP, I will highly suggest on the ten year anniversary of it. That sale out. Sale out. Sale out. Yes. That's what it is. Yeah. But that's the extent of what I have for 2013. Now, 15 years, 20 years gets a little bit better. Yeah, okay. gets a little gets a little bit better. Uh, okay. Renaissance turns 15. That turned 15 on the fourth. The Q Tip album, the Obama album. I remember that. Yeah, the album. Obama album. <laughs> no, nah, seriously, like yo, I met Q Tip the first night I, I visited the radio station I, I, for the company that I still work for. That yeah. was 18 years ago, right? 2005, like January, or February. And he was talking about the Renaissance on that radio run he was doing a promo tour, mm. and I think he had a bust out called "Do the Nasty." But um, that album didn't drop for three more years until like yeah, like around the same time Obama was elected. I think it's every al- I feel like I feel like every album in this 2008 realm has some type of feeling of Obama around it because obviously the day has passed that it's been about 15 years since he ended up becoming president of the United States. But then you have Dedication Three. That's going to mm-hmm. turn 15 on the 14th of this month, where you have the infamous DJ drama segment that says, yeah, it's the first mixtape you're ever listening to with a black president. And I, just like One Called Away, will swing for Dedication 3. Dedication 3 gets bad rap. It is slandered as everybody does with Wayne Records. They say, ah, everything post-Carter 3 is ass. <laughs> lies and Lies and slander. Lies and slander, and we don't need to do it. That's blasphemy. You're discrediting no ceilings alone. I mean, come on, man. And and nobody even knows they're doing it when they do it. That's insane to me. But I'll leave them alone with Wayne. I'll leave them alone with Wayne. As we talked about Luda, Theater of the Mind, turns 15 on the 16th. Wow. It's been that long. That's amazing. I, I remember it was a huge, huge deal when he finally got a primo beat, and everybody was like, whoa! Ludo Primo, whoa! That was a huge, huge moment. What was the song called? It was like Southern something with like the uh, the narration on there in between the verses. He had he had all those different types of narrators. Those those movie because he has to get in his movie bag now. That well, once once Crash got well, Crash was four years old by the time Theater of the Mind came yeah. out. 
but he had his uh he had that huge movie moments between all of that between theater of the mind one album that i think should i do it for hip-hop i did like last of a dying breed i do it for hip-hop that was another one of those whoa on on the blog moments that was jay-z nas same record Ludacris on there yep yeah yeah a lot of of posturing on that joint (laughs) i'll leave it uh another album that needs a movie at least in my eyes t-pain three rings turns 15 on the 11th I, I wanted that album to be bigger than what it was. Like Epiphany, I think is still like the one album people think about in the T Pain. T Pain, like you know, Meg when he was like, like you know, the, the biggest guy out, or one of the biggest guys out. Mm-hmm. But um, Three Rings still had Can't Believe It. You know what I mean? Three Rings still had uh, what am I forgetting on that album as well? There's so many classics on there. Uh, yeah. Freeze is on there. Record with Sierra is on there. Long Lap Dance is on there. He had a record with Kanye. Uh, Therapy's on there. Uh, what else is on there? Oh. One of the greatest fucking videos of all time, karaoke with DJ okay. Khaled is on there. <laughs> <laughs> okay, all right, yeah, no, nah, Three Rings is good. Three Rings. I actually saw him on tour around that time. He was on tour with Wayne. I saw that show. So, yeah, I think I think Floyd Mayweather was at that show too because he was promoting the tour. So, and please, please watch, please watch the karaoke video. He <laughs> he uppercuts Kanye at the beginning of it. It is. A one DJ Khaled. You'll never hear DJ Khaled like this again. I'll just I'll just put it that way. You'll never ever hear DJ Khaled like this again. I got you. I catch a drift. <laughs> <laughs> what that means. And uh, for R and B heads, uh, I am Sasha Fierce. Uh, I got to oh, make yeah. sure the Beehive is included. Turns fifteen on the eighteenth. Huge huge record. Um, twenty years ago, a good amount a good amount of stuff that comes here. I'll run by those quickly. We talk a lot about Fifty Cent. We don't talk about the opposite side of it. I don't know what we'll have for this brief moment, but blood in my eye, Ja Rule turns oh. 20 on the 4th. I'm not going to slander Clapback. Clapback is a 10 out of 10 record. Every uh, The Crown is also good, too. I That's- don't know what else I can provide to you as far as bail to shoot the Ja Rule uh, for blood in my eye. I mean, 10 days later, you got Molly Wap with Beg for Mercy, but you know, <laughs> you know, I, I don't want to pick sides here. Like, you know what I mean? I, I love Ja Rule, too, but... um. That was it. That was coming through because they, they threw a certain song on at the end of the album. <laughs> <laughs> and Beck for Mercy dropped the same day as Jay-Z, Black Album. Both of those turned 20 on the 14th. Huge, huge day that was for rap, of course. Oh, um, the You know, this entire soundtrack, I might not have the most memories of, but Running, Dying to Live was what, as a, as a 12-year-old kid, that was the this is the realest shit I ever heard in my fucking life. <laughs> Tupac Resurrection soundtrack turns twenty on the fourteenth. I, I I can't really speak to the whole soundtrack, but that I loved Running Dying to Live. I, I'll say I'll say this much: I did not I did not hate that song, but I laughed at it because, and this is like uh, to me, it just takes me back to high school when I say this. But I couldn't take Eminem's production that serious at the time. I always felt like he. <laughs> funny with those different sounds like i always knew an eminem beat when i heard it it was like the little burn down 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 it was like yo it's always like <laughs> it's supposed to be kind of funny on these beats you know what i'm saying so i couldn't yeah. i couldn't always take that song 100 seriously it, it on top of the mashup stuff but it's just that eminem production man it used to always uh make me laugh i'm sorry 
Now, uh, there is a mixture between 25s and 30s. The 30-year anniversaries ends up being pretty small. Uh, not album-wise, of course. Enter the Wu-Tang by the Wu-Tang Clan. Ends up being one of the biggest albums of all time. That yep. turns 30 on the 9th, same day as Tribe Call Quest, Midnight Marauders. That also turns 30 on the 9th. Um, there's an album that we're not going to reference um, by name. That also turns 30 on, uh, that turned 30 on the third. Uh, clearly, you did not see anything written about it uh, outside of what you may have heard on B-Sides, which I'm not sure if patrons. 12 songs on that album. That's all we'll yeah, say. Is, I'm just going to say it's 12 songs. Yeah, we'll say. 12 songs on the album. Oh. You but know. the biggest, the biggest that recently had a good anniversary ends up being the 25 year anniversary of 400 Degrees by Juvenile. I've seen many, many different things written about it. Plus, what does 400 Degrees mean to you? Oh my gosh. Uh, well, I just had the chance to see Juvie live last weekend. <laughs> Um, on the Legends of Hip Hop tour, and um, that was that was dope. Uh, I enjoyed the Tiny Desk, but let's just go back to you know when it all started, right? When I first saw uh the high video, um, I, I'll be honest, man, it sounds like generic to say now, but it was so strikingly different than every other video that would come on Rap City. Um, it stood out immediately. The way they were mm. shooting, like it was a day in a life type of deal. Um. It all it felt real. I ain't gonna lie, it felt real, man. Like seeing the cops in the video, all that that like it felt real. Um, it looked like a documentary with a song included. And at mm. the end of that video, um, when they all in the huddle holding their chains like this, I see Lil Wayne, don't have a clue who he is. <laughs> but he's got a chain. I'm like, that little kid is a somebody. And then, yeah. you know, months later, he's in the bling bling video. I'm like, I knew he was somebody, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> I never forget that feeling, but just 400 degrees alone, um, it changed everything, man. Like the, you know, the South, um, as far as the aesthetic of the South, like it didn't really permeate where I was living in Richmond, um, outside of Outkast, and then until Master P came through. When Master P came through, there was more of a Southern influence. It sounds kind of weird to say because Richmond is the South, but we were more influenced by East Coast New York rap. Um, out like I said, Sands Outkast. It was all East Coast, mostly all the time. And then Master P came through and that changed the game. So when Cash Money came through and changed it again, people in Richmond really gravitated towards everything they had going on from the white tees, Jabos, really everything except the Reeboks. I don't, I don't remember too many repairs of Reeboks on the street. But mm. Jabos and white tees and the music alone, 400 Degrees changed a lot. Uh, I mean, I, you couldn't go anywhere without hearing it pretty much. It was like Rough Riders, Rockefeller, and now cash money in the rotation. Yeah, man, that ends up being one of our that ends up being one of our biggest birthdays. I must say, there was a lot of different celebration towards it on the timeline compared to anything else that is having anniversaries currently. Of course, if you have not ever tapped into that album fully, along with any of the other ones that we brought up on the recut roundtable, of course, be sure to do so. We'll have new albums that we're going to talk about. That's going to cover the back half of november those last two weeks of november because there's a lot of things that turn 15 20 10 and so on and so forth um we'll cover that of course on the next episode of rika gems along with what else we have to talk about in the uh next few weeks of games um 
The play-in tournament, the play-in tournament, Jesus Christ. The in-season tournament is going to be making its way in December. We'll have a lot more to talk about with that. And, um... Yeah, we'll just continue. We'll, we'll just continue. We'll just continue with um, our return. Of course, Rika Gems. Big shouts out to everybody that has tuned in this week. Big shouts out to everybody in our brand new NBA section on uh, the A Show Discord. Everybody's going crazy and sharing parlays, wins and losses in the A Show in the A Show Discord on that NBA section. So, of course, big shouts out to everybody that uh, has been a part of that and wanted us to, you know, be a part of this new NBA season. I think it's going to be something that's really exciting for us. So, until then. You'll see it from us in two weeks. Brand new episode of The Black Print will be coming out next week for everybody to be able to listen. Episode should be episode 49, getting very close to episode 50. So that'll be on its way soon, along with our plans for the ASF list. You'll be hearing that for our 2023 rendition very soon as the year ends. And until then, we will see you then. Peace. <laughs>